Hello and welcome to A Glimpse into the Future. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos and in this podcast series we explore with some of the world's leading experts how new technologies and ideas can help us shape our future. In this week's episode, I talk to Charlotte Petrik-Gornitska, Chair of the Development Assistance Committee at OECD and Co-Chair of the World Economic Forum's Council on the Future of International Governance, Public-Private Cooperation and Sustainable Development. So, the Sustainable Development Goals, we've all heard about them and we know them. How optimistic can we be about achieving them uh, at this current state? I think we have to be optimistic because I think that's the attitude we need to have to, to achieve them. But on a more serious note, uh, 2030 is soon here. And when we agreed on the Sustainable Development Goals, I think the world was a bit more aligned uh, uh, in what they, it wanted to see than just two and a half years later where we are right now. So right now, I uh, think uh, that we have to work a lot on keeping the momentum around the SDGs and also realize that there's a lot of expectations uh, on governments that you know, did agree on this. And we have to work harder uh, to, to make it happen. One thing that makes me uh, optimistic, though, is that the world is looking for a kind of a global framework. Mm -hmm. It is discussing whether multilateralism works and all of that. But there's a lot of people actually saying, well, the SDGs is actually the framework. It's actually really resonating with, with what we need to as a point of departure for all of us. And, and not the least the business sector uh, sees, you know, a way a context in which it can contribute to be purposeful for the business. So I'm optimistic because I think people believe in the SDGs as such. Mm -hmm. They're not looking for another agenda. But realities has slowed down implementation. Uh, and there, it's a credibility issue now for people with power to really move ahead. So what trends do you see in this space now? We see obviously some backlash against globalization that is hindering this international collaboration. What are some of the other trends, either positive or negative, that you see uh, being deciders on how the progress towards the sustainable development goals? Well, I, I think there are different kinds. I mean, part of, part of what we see now when we look into how development aid money is being spent, and that's one measurement. Mm -hmm. We see more money being spent for immediate needs because humanitarian crises have grown. Very many people are, um, you know, there are many refugees and, and we haven't seen bigger needs in many years. So we put our development money into immediate needs, uh, but what we were discussing was to put the money and the resources into more long-term development for the SDGs. So the trend now is that we actually don't necessarily work for the long term. We also see a lot of money kind of being kept in what we call donor countries. Also again because of, of, of migration. Uh, so so there's, there's a trend that we, the, the self-interest if you will, or the self-need for security brings politics back to the more domestic perspective rather than, than the, the global one. And, and, and there, we can see that in many different ways. And that's obviously hindering and hampering. But, but at the same time, I think, you know, this is again where private sector plays a big role because they see globalization as, as a necessity for business and all of that. So we need to 
we need to make sure that uh, global organizations uh, are back around the table and take this, this forward and put pressures on governments to uh, continue to see that we are interdependent and moreover than more than before. So another trend which is more technical, if you will. Mm -hmm. People who used to, to do a lot of development work before, when we had the Millennium Development Goals rather than the SDGs, are kind of searching for ways to do things differently. Because we are all saying this is not aid, this is a universal agenda which will be delivered by, by all stakeholders in society. So we need to move away from the old habits of, of donor and recipient and, and all of that. But if you look into the institutions and organizations that are talking about this, they haven't necessarily changed the way they do the work. And that's where I think we need to focus much more. We need to understand what we have to do differently. We need, we, the development people, we actually need to, to understand that we have to crowd in a lot of other stakeholders around the SDGs and crowd out ourselves. And it's not necessarily motivating people to realize we are less important. Uh, you want to be more important, but you're less important to solve these SDGs. Others are much more important than you, but still you, the development side, have to find a way to lead and inspire and crowd in all the other stakeholders you're talking about. And leading that change in reality, I think we're, we're not dealing enough with that. So we see too little happen from, from organizations. Do we see any of it happen? Are there some examples that can inspire us on how these roles are changing? Yes, I, I do think. And, and again, uh, I think we see it in more, you know, in a more overarching abstract way. We see organizations start to talk to each other. Because what, what, what we realize is that we cannot continue to work in small pilot um, projects. We really need to go to scale. Uh, and there are a lot of initiatives out there uh, built in silos. But I do, I do see big systems like the UN, uh, like the OECD, uh, you know, like even the WEF. <laughs> We're trying to, to uh, map the e ecosystem. We're trying to find out, well, how can we make sure that we are complementary rather than duplicate? So I see a, a willingness to collaborate and, and uh, be more effective together. I do see... Uh, good examples of where private sector and investments are really engaging in the SDGs mm -hmm. and where we see public money uh, being the catalyst for crowding in private money for, for development. So there's an, a lot of projects uh, around that. I do see many initiatives around you know, insurance rather than putting development aid money into you know, crisis, you start to see initiatives like the Africa Risk Capacity, which is a solution where, where you uh, use insurance as a protect, protective tool. So when a natural disaster hits you, mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to ask for money. You actually have, you are insured against the natural disasters you know will happen again. So kind of new, new development finance tools built in collaboration with, you know, different stakeholders are happening. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of hope. And, and I do see also governments in, in many parts of the world who are guided by the SDGs. Uh, I see companies who have not only the, the rhetoric, but who have decided to 
make all their management teams aware of the SDGs and map out how their business you know fits into that agenda and and they seem to be serious about believing that if we're not purpose-driven as a business we won't be successful long term enough we won't we will lose out on the business and we won't be able to attract the labor we need because they are looking for companies that are purposeful and all of that together i think uh, we see you know actors trying to to deliver on this agenda so new ideas new actors new business models yeah. new mentality yeah. new frame of mind for yeah. a lot of people what are some of the new technologies that you know, with the up, now the upcoming of the fourth industrial revolution yeah, technologies, yeah. Uh, do you see some of them playing a significant role in the next yeah. 10 to 15 years and possibly giving us an extra boost to be able to achieve the SDGs? Well, I've, I've se- we have seen some already. I mean, the, the mobile technology has really made a huge change in development. Mobile money, tra- transferring money through mobile technologies means a lot. It's cost effective, there's less corruption, we can reach people. Mobile technology has also made it possible to reach people in rural areas with health because you can have advice um, you know, through your, your mobile devices and there, there's no end to uh, what technologies can do. The thing with, with the, uh, as long as we were talking about um, you know, mobile technology and mobile phones and, and, and all of that, is that we also need to secure that, that there's not a divide, that we can really bring in poor people uh, into this revolution, if you will, because they can benefit from it, but if they are left out, uh, they will be even more left out. Uh, because everything will happen through these new technologies. So, so we really need to make sure that that we invest in making you know, all people included in, in, in this um, uh, development. There's also a lot of things that we don't know yet that can be really helpful to development. All this artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. the blockchains, all the technologies that are, from where I sit, more discussed perhaps in the private sector, we need to, you know, to bring it into the SDG roundtables and understand more about where you know where the solutions can be i think people are perhaps more discussing the downsides or the fears rather than the positive side i mean we we can see that it might mean that there will be less jobs for people because but there will be robots taking over a lot of things and and if that's a threat universally, of course, we need to deal with it. Some people say, let's not make it a threat. But will that be the case in, in the poorest of the poor, that we will actually include them in thinking about what are the new jobs or will they be even more left out? Because when we talk about the risks, we might discuss that in a more developed world. Uh, so. We need more of the positive and more imagination on one side, and we need to have um, in-depth knowledge and discussion around the downsides that may not be discussed yet. So if you, if you had one message here in, the, uh, in Davos with all of these decision makers across the world, uh, what would it be? What would you try to let them know in terms of transforming the world and being able to achieve the, the SDGs? Start with, you know, what's the reason f- what's the reason for being here? Not in Davos. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the reason for what you're doing? 
if what you provide uh, can be part of a prosperous you know, global world, then how much time do you actually spend on that? And, and so my message would be, start to think about that. And for Davos to make sure that you bring in the different uh, stakeholders, but with the same question, what's your reason to do this, to create a better world? And how can we really um, inspire each other? It's a simple message. But why is it so important? Because I do think still that there's too much distrust uh, in the different discussions among stakeholders and less of creates creativity and inspiration. And my message is that we cannot afford, uh, when we need to keep the momentum of the SDGs, we cannot afford to lose an opportunity to be inspired and to see the glass half full. People depend on us to see solutions. And that's what I expect from all powerful people here, is to see solutions, not to shy away from what's hindering and hampering, but really work for the solutions. That was Charlotte Petri-Gornitska, Chair of the Development Assistance Committee at OECD and Co-Chair of the Global Future Council on International Governance, Public-Private Cooperation and Sustainable Development. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos, and that was all from this week's episode of A Glimpse into the Future. <laughs>